Hey, how you feeling? All right, now listen. This is Paul Stanley coming at you. Gene Simmons wanted me to call y'all up and tell you to get the Kiss Coffin. Don't leave this world without going out in the Kiss Coffin. All right, yeah! Hey, John. Hey. What's happening? It worked. Not much. Your All voice right. Sounds, your voice sounds deep. Oh, <laughs> getting, over a, getting over a chest cold. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So, uh, so, what's happening? So, not much. Just working and staying busy. But I yeah. fell into the rabbit... I fell into the rabbit, the kiss rabbit hole. You did, huh? Yeah. It's like, man, where do you even, where do you even start at? <laughs> did you see ever? Did you see that ep, uh, that interview that Tom Snyder did? You, yeah. you know who Tom Snyder is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Ace, he, he, Ace is just cracking up Tom Snyder, and Gene's just sitting there fuming. Yeah, yeah. Just fuming, yeah. Kiss breaking he, the he band a, is on. He he wrote a song about that and one of his records, one of his later ones. Who did Ace? Oh, he did. It's called Space Bear. Yeah, Space Bear. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> it's like a fucking instrumental. It's like Space Bear. <laughs> he says that at the beginning. I think he says it in the song. I can't remember. Or, but, Maybe he plays clips from that interview or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a little surprise for you tonight. I'm going to turn the <laughs> microphone over to Mr. Space Bear. <laughs> right. Wow. Oh, man. I forgot we're doing the live, too, as well on this. Uh, right. Yeah, that's um, how he introduced him to uh, shock me. With yeah. Ace, nails, Ace Nails that solo, dude. I don't know if he went back and... um touched it up or what but that thing's flawless yeah I wonder yeah yeah I never know yeah I can't decide which one I, I like could... better live one or two yeah I like two because yeah. I like the songs better but it's re- yeah. it's really kind of bombastic like it's it's more well I don't know maybe I'm wrong maybe they're both around this, about the same each one has a it's a has a different kind of rawness to it, right? I, I, you know what I don't like about Alive Two is the is the phaser on all the drum solos and stuff. That oh, really the is yeah, it's like yeah, a phase shifter on it. It gets old, right? Like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've been getting a new appreciation for Peter though, dude. He's he drives a lot of those songs. Or he's just driving him. Yeah. And he's a he's a better drummer than I realized he he was. When I go back and watch him, I was watching mm-hmm. some live footage of him, and 
mm-hmm. just listening to him close, going back, listening to the albums, because he was yeah. jazz trained, you know, or jazz inspired. Uh-huh. Yeah, and but what a lot do of people knock Paul... him. He's not a good drummer shit. Yeah. What do you think Paul's motivation is for saying all the crap that he says about him all the time? I think Paul and Gene are both, they know that everybody likes Ace and Peter more and it just fucking, it just burns their ass and they feel like they've done more work. You know what I mean? And they're, they're responsible Mm -hmm. and those guys just got a free ride Mm -hmm. and it just kills them that they're not adored the way Ace and Peter are. Maybe they're respected, but they're not adored the way Ace and Peter are. Peter is adored? I could see Ace's, but do you think Peter is adored? Um, well, when he's grouped together with Ace, he is. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I agree. I mean, I was saying it on the last episode we did about the um, the first three albums in, in Alive, Alive. I was really, you know, listening to it closely with headphones. I was really blown away by Peter's playing, mostly his fills. Like, I just really love, like, Tom, like, really great Tom fills in rock songs. and he does some really great ones, and um, he also yeah. goes on, on just, these three as well. Yeah, and just dri- he just drives those songs, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. So speaking yeah. of that, how do you what what what's your favorite Kiss album? Rock and Roll Over. Rock and Roll Over. Mine's Destroyer, mm-hmm. I think. But then going back and listening to the. I also like the first one too. Yeah, it's really good. It's got strutter. Yeah, I like the, I like everything up to Love Gun, and Love Gun is where I kind of started, you know, fading away. Well, also too, that's when Randy came on the scene. Right. You know, about that time, kind of took my focus off a of kiss. Mm-hmm. So I was looking so, at that Destroyer went gold in one month, and it went platinum in the same year. And those guys are putting out two albums a year, like almost every year, up until where they started getting into the uh, Unmasked and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But uh, the melody lines are somewhat different than they are on the other albums. Is that, you think that's because of the producer? Is that Bob Ezrin? You mean on Destroyer? On Destroyer, yeah. He had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, on on iTunes. I don't know if you have Apple Music, but there's like a 45th anniversary um, Destroyer release remastered uh-huh. again, and um, it's they have notes, and so they talk about how all the songs came together. And I well, think, I'd like to uh, get my hands on that. I think that he had a lot to do with it, um, Bob yeah. Ezrin. Um, yeah, I think that my my theory about Kiss is that they were they were a collaboration, not only between the band members, but also the producers and co-writers, mm-hmm. and maybe the label. I don't know who was all involved in it, but I mean that's what right. I think their brilliance is: is that they have better songs on their albums. Than, I mean, I was thinking about it today, like. How many great songs does Nazareth have? Like two, the ones a cover, like Hair of the Dog, like that's right. it. How how many great songs does like um, 
uh, Blue Oyster Cult have like three. You know, have you ever right. tried to listen to one of their albums? No, it's 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 not good. That might speak you know? to that point. That might speak to the point right there. That's that that's your point right there. If you ever try to listen to one of their whole albums, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you have know? like oh, there's all these cool '70s bands that I never got into. Let me check them out, and then I can uh-huh. never get into the albums. Like you know, like Stars and, and like. Um, What's the other band that's kind of like them? Never really Angel, you know. Like they're just uh-huh. not, you know. It's it's it, they don't have the song. And I think that Kiss, what made them great is that they um, co-wrote with people who are good songwriters. And you know, we yeah. talked a little bit about the co-writing thing. Like, you know, you could take a mediocre writer, and if you have you know, the ability to write songs, you have good sensibilities, melodic sensibilities, you can you can mm-hmm. take their ideas and turn them into songs. You know what I right. mean? Like every idea could be a any idea could be a song, like anything. You know, so if somebody has an idea, you just, then you just lyrically and and musically you can you can shape yeah, them. Yeah, and there's you t- you put their personality into the song, but it becomes a song that that they co-wrote, and then they think that they wrote. They think they're the brilliant one, and uh, you know that's the danger of yeah. doing that, <laughs> right? Because yeah, create a monster, right? Except for in the case of like Dick Wagner, where he got no credit. Mm. You know, it, on on. But yeah, I know, I know, I know what you're saying about uh, when you help people with their song, and then all of a sudden they're like look at my song and they're like did you write that oh yeah i wrote that (laughs) yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff with like bath like the song bath gene wrote even on the on the itunes notes i read today he's like you know um peter got in the in the limo with me and he was singing the song beck it's called beck short for becky and then gene Uh that's nice what is it he goes oh it's a song i wrote He's like, you should call it Beth instead of Beck. It sounds nicer. He's like, okay. And then they took it to Ezra and they, I don't know. They, but, but Gene says, like, they, they, they're the ones that save the song. Okay, I believe it, right? But they uh, also, yeah. he also says, Peter didn't write that song. <laughs> he says his friend Sean Delaney wrote that song that he used to play uh, in a band with. So uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Now, who did Sean Delaney play with? Peter? Peter, they had a band. Oh, okay. I forgot what they were called. Yeah. Oh, okay. Before he was in Kiss. Gotcha. Got you. So it's like the co-writer thing. Well, Paul said something in an interview um, when the album Monster came out, which is their last, their last original album. I mean, their last studio album. And he was like, this is the first album we've done without co-writers or ghost writers. I'm pretty sure he said that uh-huh. in press conferences. Like he admitted that they had ghost writers, not only, you know, co-writers, but he said, I'm pretty sure he said ghost writers. Like, Meaning like they have like the, the label bought, paid somebody for the song and it's like, okay, you have no connection to the song anymore. I don't know if it means that or it means a coast a ghost co-writer like somebody who's mm-hmm. helping them just sort of improve the hooks, you know? 
Huh. Because well, their words or whatever. A, sorry. Know. Yeah. Their their court their songs their choruses are like mm-hmm. glue. They get yeah. stuck in my head so easy, and it's yeah. like their choruses never let you down. Even if you don't like yeah. the song, usually their chorus is real hooky. You know, it always grabs you. Exactly. Yeah, like that's Mr. why they're so Speed. great, man. Yeah. Mr. Speed, yeah. that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really, <laughs> I don't really know everything you see in that song because most of that song is like eh to me, but th- but that chorus is real hooky, you know, and the, the uh, guitar riff and stuff. But I love that song. I I think yeah. it might be because I I hadn't heard it in so many years, and then a few years ago I I like I bought Rock and Roll Over on iTunes before the before the streaming thing was happening. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, my God, I love that song. Take Me is another one. I love that song. Take Me. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking great. That, so it's like that one, Strutter, uh, Mr. Speed, and um, and I really love Stole Your Love off Love Gun. Like, I fucking love that song. Oh, okay. Paul's got, Paul's got some great songs. <laughs> the Monster Album. Where he said after he said this is the first album we've never had co-writers. There's a song on there called something Delilah. Uh, I forget. Anyway, that was the single, the Paul single, and usually the Paul single is really catchy. And it was, uh-huh. it was not. I I went and listened to it again recently, and I don't know. It's not modern day Delilah. I think it's called. It's not that good. I don't want to say this, like I want to love it, but it's, I just uh, think that, you know, a lot of bands that just have great songs over and over and over, a lot of those bands, like, well, I don't know of any other bands that did that. So, because most bands don't, aren't that consistent and Kiss was pretty consistent up until, you know. Yeah, like they got the formula, you know what I mean? Like we were talking about before. You could say that it's a formula, but I think it's more than a formula because you can't. They're not writing the same song over and over. No, but what I mean they're by formula unique. is, they're yeah, but they're mostly like in between two and three minutes long. Mm-hmm. They all kind of got the same arrangement. You know what I mean? Intro, mm-hmm. verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, chorus, yeah. end. Which I was telling you, that's kind of like how true. I do a lot of my stuff. But I, I mean that as a formula. <laughs> And then, okay. and then, like, and also, they don't, ha- they don't go very deep on their lyrics. No, well, that's true. Their, their lyrics, they don't go very. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole. We can talk about that too. Like I said, like you, like you wrote "Flight to Nowhere." Yeah. You know, like I said, they'll never write a "Flight to Nowhere." They never have, and they never will. Their songs are mostly, you know, we're, we're gonna have sex. Yeah, you know, because it's rock and roll. Yeah, yeah but you know, true. they're all. I'm not knocking them for that, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying they're all kind. They're all kind of, you know, uh, that's what I mean about a formula. You know, they're all kind of yeah, in between two and three minutes long. Yeah. yeah, but that doesn't yeah. make all the songs great, you know, because you could no. you could have you could have that formula and and write a bunch of shitty songs. Huh. Yeah, well, like if you take Peter out of out of a song, it's mm-hmm. that that drive isn't going to be there. If you take Ace out of that, that's not going to be there. You know what I mean? Right. Or no, G, I know, you can't, that's a thing. Yeah. To all together, yeah. 
they're a badass. And yeah. uh, they're right now they're all talking shit on each other. Yeah, I, mean, I think we should and they're, like, they're in the middle of a tour, right? Are planning a tour? Uh, two of them are. Two of them are. I'm listening to excerpts out of Paul's book, and he's just he's major shit talking on Gene, and I'm like, aren't these guys planning? They're in the middle of planning a tour. How do they talk that much crap on each other, and still yeah. like look the other way and tour together if they're not just you know let's just get the money? They may have. Just they may have had a uh, you know like they may have kissed and made up since the, since the yeah. last time that they were fighting because you know like I saw a recent interview where they look really much older than I've ever seen them look and they uh-huh. were getting along great like they were just chilling together needling each uh-huh. other and it wasn't there wasn't any animosity some there were some it was in good fun yeah, there's some interviews where you can see, you can sense the animosity, and I've heard yeah. that they don't speak to each other. You know, I, I don't, but I haven't heard that lately. So maybe, you know, maybe things have gotten better. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah. anyway, should, I, should we? Do you want to talk about Destroyer a little bit? It's your favorite album. Um. Well, I was just noticing little things like uh, Gene was doubling his vocals. Mm-hmm. Unlike Sweet Pain, that's that's one of my favorite. I think that song's catchy as hell. Sweet Pain, yeah. I could listen to that song over and over again. Uh-huh. You know, and Amazon's got a uh, version where it has that Sweet Pain on there twice, and one of it says uh, original solo. And I don't know if that if Ace did that solo or uh, or somebody else. I don't know which is the original solo. But it was a different right. solo, and it was it was pretty damn good. I'm gonna look that up while we're talking right now. Yeah, and I'm um, curious about that. And you know what I was tripping on too? You know how uh, they say like Ace wasn't there, you know this and that, and all these times that Ace wasn't there, and they throw yeah. Peter under the bus for. But Peter was always there, was he or was he not? He never missed an album sessions or. Recording I don't know. Night? I know he didn't play on Dynasty. Okay. And I don't know why. Um, I I don't know why. <clears throat> and uh, I was listening to this interview where Paul was saying, like, Gene wasn't really involved. He contributed some to, like, Creatures, they all did. But Animalize, he barely did. And... Uh, I forget the one the one after that he saw he wanted producer credit and half the credit when he was out trying to get movie roles and you know having kids he was trading trading uh the having a producer bring his kids in to sing background on a song so he could get a, you know a, some movie jobs or something so mm-hmm. but that was a I was like whoa he's saying that Gene was barely involved in that album and most of it was him yeah, the animalized. Yeah, well, I remember. Do you, yeah. remember do you ever animalized see and the one that, after. Did you ever see that movie that Gene did with uh, John Stamos? No, I remember the the one movie he did with uh, man. I forget the name of it now, but he played a hitman. Uh, it was like he made that movie like when he was with Cher, or right before he was with Cher. Oh really? Yeah. Um, 
Well, the one I'm talking about is called uh, Never Too Young to Die. And it is really, really crazy. Like, he plays a transvestite, like, villain dude. It is nuts, man. <laughs> oh, that's starting It's so bad bell. it's good kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> 1986. The John Stamos movie? Yeah. That's crazy. We watched it. Too young to die, huh? Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's much worse than I thought it was. It's like it's it's so bad it's great. It's so bad like that it's like that you love it, you know. It's mm-hmm. but it's really 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 bad. But I, you know, I'm not putting it down though cuz it, like it's like I said it really is kind of cool. <laughs> it sounds like it's got some shock value to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the reason I like, like the Destroyer is... <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I think he's <laughs> he should fit right... He, yeah, he rolled right into that. <laughs> right. What were you saying? Uh, the reason I like Destroyer, I think, is because a lot of the, the melody lines are different, and they don't have any of that, that kind of 50s poppy That's kind of true. stuff that they have on yeah. every other album. And it's kind yeah. of like all in that... Whatever that vein they were going down... I kind of liked it better, like Flaming Youth, Shout It Out yeah. Loud. I was going to ask you about that song. What do you think Flaming Youth is about? <laughs> well, it's about uh, him proving his parents and everybody else wrong. Yeah. You, th- you think it's about gayness? <sighs> what do you think it's about? Well, you know, Ace says in that, in that well, the Ace's girlfriend says that Ace always calls Paul a fag. His uh, word, her word, not mine. Um, uh huh. And 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 then uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know what he means. I don't know if he means that literally. But I've always wondered about Paul because he's been very, really overly like homophobic. When like I've seen in interviews, I've seen footage of him acting like really weird about gay stuff. Like he's like. Really uh-huh. trying to distance himself as far put people down, call them gay, like you know, I, like I don't think he does it anymore because I think like things have gotten so woke that he's like not that way anymore. But like maybe ten years uh-huh. ago, maybe fifteen years ago, yeah. And my and a friend of mine told me a story like years ago that he met Paul at a, like a press conference in Germany because he lives in Germany. He was doing photos. He's a photographer. He was working for a paper. And he said Paul was like hitting on either him or a lot of guys or something. And he was like sticking his tongue out like Gene. Like he was doing like the Gene thing like to, to dudes, uh-huh. like, like hitting on dudes. I don't know if it's true because this guy, like I don't know <laughs> I don't know, because it seems yeah. to be like he backed off on that story later. So I, oh, did but, he? Yeah, I don't think he would. I don't know if he would stand. He might have felt bad. But, he's a big Kiss fan. But, but look at Paul though. Look mm-hmm. at his hair. His hair is like, it's always curly and permed like a woman's. He prances around <laughs> like a woman. You know when know, he does I'm, that and thing, I'm not putting that where down, his feet kind of glide. His feet kind of yeah. glide. And the way yeah. he moves his head, like 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 a chick, yeah. uh, you know, with her hair in the wind, kind of yeah. thing, and uh, he just comes off to me like he wishes he was a woman. Subliminally, well, it's glam, you know, it's I, glam. Yeah, I, the glam. I think that 
Nobody but else in the band does that, though. Well, that's his character, though. You know, my yeah. friend uh, is from Cuba, and he, he said in Cuba, they call Paul the puta, which means whore. <laughs> and I've never thought about it before. It's like, that's his fucking character. He's a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, a bitch. They call him a bitch. <laughs> is puta bitch or whore? He told me it can be bitch or it can be it can be both. And maybe Cuban. Fucking, yeah. Maybe the Cubans meant yeah. something else, but I don't know. But that's what he told me. Um, yeah. <laughs> funny. <laughs> but I don't want to put him down because I I love Paul. I think he's I, the greatest. I know. Stage. He's the greatest. He's my favorite on stage with a guitar. Like he always has been. He's a little bit too prancy for me. <laughs> I know when we were kids like I, I would never admit that I thought Paul was cool I always said Ace was my favorite Ace is my favorite yeah. I mean you know he is but yeah Paul's pretty badass like I would go see Kiss now just to watch Paul like I love watching him on stage like I love I, the way he and Ace both like were on stage was just uh-huh. amazing you know, nobody, yeah. nobody ever does anything cool on stage. Like the Ramones and Kiss, like they're the only ones who really did cool shit on stage with their, maybe, maybe Pete Townsend. I never, Jimi Hendrix. Remember uh, Wendy O. Williams? Yeah. The, Wendy O. Williams and the Plasmatics. They used uh-huh. to, they used to have some trippy, they used to do some trippy shit. I mean, not nowhere near like Kiss, but yeah, just yeah. the lighting, just the lighting and the, Mm-hmm. The pyrotechnics and I don't know the makeup, everything together is just—it's uh, kind of genius because they grabbed kids that that were growing up and aging and still going to buy their albums when they were became teenagers and adults, and they had adults. Like I'm—I was what seven years old. My brothers were like, in, you know in their 20s, 17s, they were buying the albums. They were giving me their old albums. So they were hitting like generate two, you know, two generations at once. Yeah. At, at, at while kids, they were right? in their heyday. Yeah, yeah. While they were in their heyday. Like, you know, now uh, young kids are just finding out who the doors are or whatever. And then you can say, oh, well, they spanned so many generations. But Kiss was grabbing all these multi-generations at the then you know while they were doing yeah. it. yeah well it's kind of like it's kind of like um cartoons in the 90s where they had all kinds of like adult humor in there mm-hmm. the parents would watch it and the kids would watch it kiss was all about like you know every song was like about blowjob or you know riding my right. rocket or whatever yeah <laughs> like, in my pocket the kids did grab onto my rocket <laughs> yeah that's what Paul How said. How original was Rocket Ride after Paul did that? Like, so stupid. I know. I, in fact, yeah. Right. Which I love that song, but it's so funny. And then Paul says, uh, Love Gun was not about guns. I was just singing about my dick. And it's like, well, whoever well, said it was about guns? Dude, I... He was talking about talk- flack he was getting, you know. Can we talk about that? For, I mean, we're going to yeah. skip. Should we? I don't know. We're skipping around, but... We can skip around. Um, Love Gun, right? Mm-hmm. What ha- what what band came out in 1977 that was like the biggest band 
getting all the headlines in 1977. In 77, let me think. Like like all the all, like the the most outrageous band that was like getting all the. Um, Besides Kiss, you're talking about. Yeah, the Kiss they came out in '77. Okay, let me think. Let yeah, me they think. just like blew up. Like, like it was a scandal. They were a scandal. Um, Every band did For... a response to this band. It was the Sex Pistols. Okay, like they they were like you know we didn't listen to them, but they were like on they were ever in England they had like the number one song and they wouldn't play the song because. God save the God queen. Save the queen. Yeah, like it wouldn't even uh-huh. put it on. It wouldn't even play it, even though it was number one. Yeah, and, she ain't no um, human being. Right, and that, there was like such a huge like thing. And Kiss puts out a song, an album called Love Gun, the same year that the Sex Pistols come out. Ah, uh, I like, see where like, you're How is that a coincidence? I see where you're going. Well, yeah, they did hop on a lot of. Any wave that was like I know, I'm yeah. Not you, it down. you pointed out a couple I, other. You pointed out a couple other instances, kind of opened my eyes too. Where I was like, oh yeah. But here's the thing, you know Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols, the guitarist. He's yeah. on a show on KLOS. Right, Jonesy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Jonesy from the Sex Pistols has Paul on the show, and he doesn't fucking ask him about Love Gun. Like, to me, I, I think he may have even played the song and, and didn't say, dude, did you, it's obvious you, you got the name of that song from our band. Like, how do you not ask? Him? It was, it drove me crazy. And so I was so excited. I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, he's having Paul and they're going to talk about it. You know, he uh-huh. fucking mentioned it. You know what Paul says? He says what? that. He says the love gun is from an Albert King song. And I was like, what? So I looked it up and there is, I have it here that there is a song <laughs> called love gun by Albert King. It says, they call me the hunter. That's my name. A pretty woman like you is my only game. Bought me a love gun just the other day. And, and I aim to aim it your way. <laughs> okay. I got you in the sights of my love gun. So it's like. It's kind okay, of the so same thing that Paul wrote. Kind of. But it's like weird that I mean, still, what are the coincidences? I I can't right. believe that he didn't, you know. That I don't know. It's yeah, possible. Yeah, like how is he that stupid that he doesn't know that there's a like a, a reference there? Like to even a, to even like mention like I, we didn't get that from you guys. It's just a coincidence. Like he couldn't even say that. So it's almost right. like they purposely yeah. didn't talk about it or something. Like maybe Paul's he didn't want. It. He was just glad to have him on the show or something. Yeah, maybe or maybe maybe Steve never noticed it. I don't know. It's just maybe weird. it's lost. Maybe it's lost on him. Maybe <laughs> I didn't put it together till you told me. Well, I don't know. I've always thought. Well, I don't know how long I've thought about it, but at some point it hit me. I was like, I don't know when. Yeah. Yeah. But Sex Pistol, um, somebody said that Sex Pistol also is like a flower pistol, which is also the same thing, but a flower. You know what I mean? Like, it's a sex organ of a flower. It's a pistol. So, like, Sex Pistol, like, it has even more meaning, which is, like, way cooler than Love Gun. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like an appendage, a flower's appendage. Well, yeah, it's, it's like organ. the thing that's, that sticks out of the, the middle of the flower. It's a pistol. Uh-huh. And which right. is kind of interesting how it has like that meaning as well. Because it's a sex yeah. organ, you know, I guess. Right. <laughs> For a flower. <laughs> that's kind of so, all I got on Destroyer. Well, I was going to say a couple things. I don't know if you want to hear. Let's see what else. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, um, Detroit Rock City is like amazing. And um, oh, speaking of that, I let just, me just say, let me yeah. just say, remember how you were saying you didn't think really that Gene came up with that bass, that do 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 do. Yeah, I was watching a live performance, and he was like barely shuffling his way through it. He like. He like played the first two notes and then the last uh-huh. note of the lick, and I, that just kind of I was like, oh, maybe maybe John's right. Maybe he uh, maybe somebody you know slipped mm-hmm. that to him or something because he wasn't pulling it off live. Mm. Anyway, go I ahead. I never noticed that's, that. I just want to say well, that's that before a, I that's forgot. That's a really cool part. Yeah. Um, the thing I was going to say about that song, the thing that sticks out about that song for me is that. It's cool that the the story you hear at the beginning is the story of the singer in the song. You know what I mean? Like the guy's in the car and he's the guy who dies, but he's also the singer. And he, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. It's it's really <laughs> like a like a weird sort of it makes it gives another dimension to the song, which is like I love songs that do that where uh-huh. And I think that's probably a Bob Ezrin thing because it's kind of like the wall, which ends the same way it starts. Like it, it's like a circle, yeah. you know. Like uh-huh. it's it's uh it's it's just kind of like a weird circle, and I love that shit. I think it's I think it's brilliant. And I always right. thought that that was like a pretty like as a kid that was like so deep. Like the guy dies, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. For okay, kid, so that's their one, that's their one deep. That's their one. That's their spiritual song. Right, drunk driver. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's about the only one that does that's anything deep like that. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if there's anything else that we're not thinking of. I don't yeah. know. But um so we were gonna talk about what King it, in the Nighttime World, which was written co written well, it was it was submitted by Kim Fowley, who was the guy who um managed the runaways. And he always said he wrote with for Kiss, and I never believed it. I was like, that's bullshit. And then I found uh-huh. out that he did write King of the Nighttime World. And then I was reading the notes today um, on that on that album on Apple Destroyer, and he wrote. He also did the same thing with Do You Love Me. That was another Kim Fowley song that they got. They that's... probably rewrote a lot of it and tweaked it, but those two songs were Kim Fowley songs. On this album. Those two songs are like why I love that album so much. Those two and Sweet Pain and yeah. uh, Flaming Youth. But th- those two, King of the Nighttime World and Do You Love Me. I can listen to them songs yeah. over and over. They're just yeah, the okay. way their melody lines are, their yeah. choruses are, and, and the way that drums is, Do You Love Me? It just, yeah, yeah. that's, I think that's why uh, that album just, I don't know, I just love that album. And and I never thought about it, but they they mentioned it 
that he says, you like my seven inch leather heels. Like, he, heel. like he puts a break in there. So like, uh-huh. you like my seven inch leather heels. Yeah. I never thought about that, that it was kind of like the first time yeah. you probably hear it, you're, you're thinking, what? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. That's another very thing. Visual. Kind of, <laughs> right. yeah. Like, well, when he says you like the way the wheels roll, your mind just mm-hmm. pictures wheels turning. You know, it makes yeah. your mind. Yeah. And when he says seven inch leather heels, it makes mm-hmm. your mind form these pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the backstage pass and black sunglasses. You know the whole the all that whole all the words, they're like really pictorial. That's true. That's true. That's, yeah. You know who do, else does that really great to me is Tom Petty. Like, like free yeah. falling. Like the way he describes the girl in that song is fucking. It's so mm-hmm. amazing. Like, yeah, so genius. <laughs> so yeah. genius. And what, like and when he just, just says like, out into nothing. Yeah, that's really that's, good. That's in free falling. Why am I not? Yeah. Out into nothing. Gonna leave this world for... Right? Gonna leave this world for a while? Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I was thinking... I think I was thinking more about the first verse where he's like... She's like her boyfriend, all that stuff. Her boyfriend, uh-huh. too. Like, it's just... Uh, Horses. It's, it's so... Yeah, right. You picture a girl about to get her heart broken. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, he just, like, yeah. paints the picture so perfectly. And, yeah. And then he breaks her heart, you know. It's like, it's like a TV Because he's out running of. around with his friends, smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Playing music. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you. That That is very uh, descriptive, and it's effective mm-hmm. in the song for sure. Yeah. Um and yeah. God of Thunder has the has Bob Ezrin's kid in it. And um that's really effective as well. Like it's kind of adds a dimension to that song. Which isn't yeah. something that you picture this little before. tiny little tiny being. Yeah, like a demon calling out to this <laughs> you're calling out to this god yeah, that that little high voice. But it was like little his, tiny his being kid, calling out. I think it was his two kids. I mean, his two kids were playing around in the studio, or one kid, I don't remember. But they were just like running around the studio and they recorded it. And it's fucking brilliant. I mean, it's like I can't yep. imagine that song without that, you know? Right. And th- okay, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about in this song. I mean, on this album, Great Expectations. There's a um, th- the the chords are lifted from Beethoven's Sonata Pathétique. Did you know that? Yeah, there are two. There are two. It figures because they're, uh, what's the word? They're too, uh, you know, classical for them. Well, if you listen to it, yeah, if you listen to the Sonata Pathétique, which I, I guess <laughs> I'm saying it right, I don't know. It sounds just like that song. <laughs> like you listen yeah. to it, you're like, oh, fuck, I think so. You know, Bob Ezrin did that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he yeah, and and it reminded me of of you playing Beethoven because we never talked about that. I don't know if we've ever talked about that as adults, but I used to come over to your house on my way home from school, and you hadn't practiced your piano yet, and I couldn't go I out sit, until I practiced. I used to sit next to you on the bench, and you would play Moonlight Sonata and Fear Fear Release. 
trees. Uh-huh. And right. those those two pieces, like I can't hear them without thinking about you. It's like, ah, uh, that's cool. And I wanted to ask you about piano. Like, how when did you start, and how long did you play? Well, the way I started, okay, when I first moved to my grandma's in um, before the fourth grade, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, my mom had gotten sick. So I had to move with my grandma and uh, she had always played the piano in church. So since I was there, the way she started is she, you know, those little band-aids that you put on your, those round circle band-aids, I guess she had corns on her feet or something that you put on the, you know, she put those on each key and then with a marker put the notes. Mm. So, so then she taught me, you know, what the notes were going up. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you did on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Remember, you taught me what the notes were. I didn't. I had no idea what the notes were on the guitar. And then when you I showed me how they go, up, you showed me how they grow up. They start at F, F sharp, G. The way they go up mm-hmm. chromatically, mm-hmm. and then the way the way you have one finger, the G, then your fifth, and then your octave is the same way that the piano would have your octave. You know, on the mm-hmm. C, five keys up on the G, seven keys. You know what I mean on the the other C. So that, but I think at the end of the fourth grade, somehow I got a piano teacher and the lady wasn't very good. And my grandma found an ad in the newspaper for this lady named Sonia Steinmetz. And Mm -hmm. she had played at Carnegie Hall, the violin. Mm -hmm. And her, her dad was a played, you know, was a professional classical musician and when I started mm-hmm. taking lessons from her she was probably 75 80 or 75 years old mm-hmm. and she was kind of wacky like she would have me do these stretching exercises for my neck so I wouldn't get a flabby neck oh wow you know <laughs> like before the before we start playing she would say Richard do the, ch- the chin <laughs> exercises I show you I go, what does this have to do with the piano? She's like, when you get to my age, your neck is going to be flabby, Richard. Just trust me. Oh, my God. But she was brilliant. And she had like a baby grand in her living room. And, uh, you know, it was hit and miss with her. So she she gave one of the first pieces she gave me was Fear Elise. And she had me just learn the right hand. One mm-hmm. pa- one page, and when you come back the next week, you're gonna, you know, she had me doing, you know, scales with both hands and and mm-hmm. chords going up up the thing, but then it was fear release, learn the right hand, the, f- the first page or two pages, and then you come back, mm-hmm. and then she would show me the left hand, you know, when the notes were, and then she would have me put them together, and she would sit right next to me, mm-hmm. but um, so what I would do is. I would, while I was learning it, I would memorize it so I wouldn't have to be look, looking at the page, from the page to the keys, page to the keys, page yeah, to the that's keys. Good. That's good, yeah. Yeah, and with my rock and roll, uh, you know, how much I love that, I would kind of interpret it a different way than, like, mm-hmm. another kid that was in, 
he was a grade ahead of me, I think, and he went to the Christian school that I went to. His name was Ralph. This guy could sit and, and read anything for the first time, just sit and read it and play it like flawless. For me, I could never do that. A piano. Mm. And he took from her too. Um, so he lived in he lived in Paris. I lived, you know, where we lived. And then um, we both took from her in Paris, but we went to school at this church school in Sunnymead. So I played it my way. He played it his way. And then he was good too, but he could sit there and sight read just right off the bat, see it for the mm-hmm. first time, play it perfect. And But I played it different. So she had us both play the same piece at the mm-hmm. recital because we played it like so differently. But I had it mm-hmm. memorized so yeah. I could concentrate on all the little nuances. He's reading right. it so it really sounded metered. And I kind mm-hmm. of interpreted how I did. And even his parents came up to me and said, wow, that was really, you know, that was really unique how you did it. I played it like it should be played. But, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't change it or anything. Yeah. But I put, I sped up at little parts and I would retard yeah. certain mm-hmm. parts and slow it down. But, you know, I owe it all that to her because uh, the, to answer your question, she, like, she threw me in the water. Mm-hmm. She didn't, she didn't, um, you know, start me out with primers and this and that. She started me on the original unsimplified, because they had, like, simplified, you could buy the sheet music for that song, Simplified. Sure. She yeah. didn't start, she didn't start me on that. She started me on the real thing. But half wow. the times so I'd go for my lessons and, and uh, she, <laughs> you know, we dri- we drive from Sun City down to Paris, and we'd get there and she'd come to the door, Richard, the doctors put the the doctors put me on a new medication, and I'm so groggy, I'm very <laughs> groggy. I can't do the lesson today, but practice what I showed you. Like I said, I'm so groggy. <laughs> Sonia Steinmetz. Anyway, wow. how, that's, how long did you did you study with her? From fourth grade to probably the end of seventh grade. Wow. To where she just she started getting to where, yeah, to where she started getting to where. You know, and that was my thing. I wouldn't over practice. I would come home. I'd run through. I'd run through my skills. I'd run through each piece, and then I'd head up to your house. I'd grab my guitar and head up to your house. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, I didn't even know you were still playing. I only remember you playing those two pieces. Like, and that must have been right at the beginning, because it seems to me like right when I met you, you were playing those pieces. Yeah, she put really me on playing. like Tchaikovsky, some wow. some badass shit, some badass. You shit. still play? There's a piano. I'm gonna go. I don't. I lost a lot of my sheet music, but I'm gonna get some more sheet music. And there's a piano in the clubhouse here. Mm. I'm gonna start getting back into it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were a huge inspiration for me. I mean, I told my dad, oh, like, I want to play electric guitar. And he's like, you need to learn classical if you're going to play guitar. And so he forced me to take lessons. And so I started taking lessons with this lady named Tina in Riverside. And, um, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I was like, to me, I was like, well, Rick is like rock and roll dude and he plays piano, classical piano. So to me, that meant that classical guitar was just as cool, you know, was cool because Uh like you play piano and I just thought that was cool. You know (laughs) what I mean? So that Uh was like an inspiration for, I don't know if I would have done it. Like if, if, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know what I would have done, but it, but it, it's, um, it's interesting because I always made that analogy in my head. I was like, I play the yeah. guitar and Rick plays classical piano. <laughs> uh huh. That's rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were a huge influence on me, man. I mean, all these all these solos and stuff. You know, I couldn't figure them out, and like. Hey, can you learn this solo so you can teach it to me? <laughs> <laughs> I remember a lot of that. Or you'd be playing something like, "Oh, show me that! Yeah, show me that!" Yeah, so I, I appreciate everything you taught me. Yeah. yeah, I mean the the well, the sh- Shanker solos off of uh, "Strangers in the Night." Yeah, those are great solos, isn't it? Just how melodic they are, and you know, and you had that shit note for note, dude. And what grade were you in? I was probably in ninth grade at that time. Ninth okay, grade. you're in ninth grade. You're learning Michael Shanker solos off a cassette tape in ninth grade and nailing them note for note. You didn't. You didn't have no YouTube. You didn't have. You know what I mean? Uh, hot licks videos and you know are people showing you? You did that. So that's amazing to me. I still marvel at that. Well, thanks. I don't know. I I don't know how how accurate I was. Dude, pretty damn accurate. I was I was, I was woodshedding a lot. I mean, I was practicing. I would just put on. I mean, I'd spend time learning solos, but I also would just put on music and just solo for like hours. You know, like I would uh-huh. put on like uh-huh. Def Leppard High and Dry and just solo. Uh-huh. I'd put on that UFO album and just solo. I'd put on like. The ending veil, like an Alcatraz album, and I would just solo over it. You know. Do you have just, any like, tapes of that? Did you ever record any of that? No, no. Man, to go back and hear that. Well, you it's weird because I thought I was getting good. You know, I thought I was getting really good because I could play really fast. You know, and and um, but I could only. Well, before I say that, I went to. Um, this guitar camp. Did I ever tell you about the guitar camp I went to? Uh, is there a quote? The quote you're about to, I think the quote you're about to say, I think about it a lot. Go, go no, ahead. I don't know about a quote. <laughs> well, tell, well, let me tell a it quote, you. A quote me. one of the teacher told you. Okay, go ahead. Well, I forgot it. But um, Okay, you went to a maybe, guitar camp. Did you stay there? Or was it just afternoons or what? No, it was, it was like a weekend. It was like, it was like, two or three days in the summer uh-huh. and it was in like university of redlands or something. And, um, it was, uh, well, my teacher, I had a, I had a couple guitar teachers other than the classical lady. I, I studied with that guy, Louie. I don't know if you remember him from either worked at Louie Tozer. Yeah. Louie Tozer. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. 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 I studied with him for a bit. And then I studied with this guy, Bob Scrano, who was a, uh, he was a, uh, uh, a jazz guitarist and um, he was doing the guitar camp thing. So he invited me to that. So or he, or he told me about it. He said, you should go. So I went and like, everything was over my head. It was like fucking like the guy from uh, Robin Ford from the yellow jackets. Like just that dude's blues shit was like fucking like Robin Ford was there. Yeah. I couldn't even understand it. dude. It was just like, he's awesome. So, dude. It was so beyond me, man. Like the the theory was just like I don't even know if I could understand it now. And I studied music theory for years. Like I, it was fucking. Oh, really? There was other dudes too. Yeah, and there was other dudes too. Like they're just like 
like I was just fucking depressed. And but there was one kid there who was a rock player. A lot of most of them were jazz players, but this one kid who was a a rock player. Uh huh. And the dude was like a shredder, like like fuck it. I didn't even know shit like that was possible on the guitar. I mean, he was just like <clears throat> like just like machine gun like. And I was uh-huh. like depressed. I was like, I fucking suck, man. And what I realized is I was doing the same things. Like I only had a couple licks. I was moving it around all over the place. I could do it fast, but I was, I, I didn't really have much, much variance of what I was doing. Uh-huh. I would play fast, you know? So I was like, I'm not that good really. <laughs> <laughs> was it because you didn't know the modes? No, I knew the modes. Oh, but okay. I would just, you know, I still do it. If I play fast, you know, I don't really play fast that much. I don't feel like there's really much need to do it there's not for very not. long but right at the time like you said, i wanted to texture. be able to do it yeah 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 were you guys uh, all in a room so. yeah with the yeah, guy up on the stage yeah uh-huh. it was weird i mean i'm used to like guitar camp type things for classical but they're all made up of master classes where you play a piece for someone and then they critique uh-huh. you but this was more like okay. a class. Like they would get up and like show you diagrams or slides or something. I don't know, and, and play. You know, mostly mostly it was theory. I think. Uh huh. I just remember Robin Ford was like, fucking, and he's great. I mean, yeah, I I guess he's great. I don't like to listen to him, but um, uh-huh. that's the thing. He's fucking brilliant. He's doing all this hard shit. It's all mental. Like he knows what he's doing, he's sub he's substituting chords and doing all this crazy shit. Like basically he's doing jazz, you know? Like uh-huh. but but I don't like it. <laughs> it's like it's really hard to for me to comprehend some jazz stuff, but it's like I don't want to yeah. play that shit. I, I love jazz right. but I don't like jazz guitar. That's my thing. It doesn't like, sing love... it doesn't sing to me. Yeah. You know, know what I mean? It's choppy. Yeah, yeah, but that quote, that quote is, I think you told me this guy said that was, um, a lot of guys only have like a couple licks that they can play fast. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? No, yeah. but that's what I just basically was saying. <laughs> right, yeah, that's that what you're saying. Well, <laughs> I noticed that about like everyone, like Vivian Campbell, he does the same lick uh-huh. every time he plays really fast. Um right. A lot of a lot of people do. I mean, like Mick 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 Mars. Like every time he played fast, he did the same exact lick every single time. He does the same thing in every fucking song. Like it's yeah. the same thing. That's cool, whatever. But like his is really obvious. <laughs> but Ace does it too. <laughs> like Ace does a lot of the same stuff, but it sounds really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some other couple of things he does. Well, I've come to a point where I think that people who can play pentatonic shit fast where you can't tell what they're doing is much cooler than like yeah, pentatonic like, uh, stuff. Like Zach Wilde does that. He plays pentatonic yeah. so fast that it doesn't sound like a pentatonic. It's it's just yeah, yeah. and that that's the stuff that blows my mind now because I, I yeah like, I I can't really do too much very fast with a pentatonic like I could do a yeah. couple licks but 
I can't just like go and go and go and go fast like I can with Dennis Diatonic. Have you ever listened, heard Eric Steckel? Mm-mm. Eric Steckel. Check him out one of these times when you're kind of just cruising around. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's, he slides from one pentatonic spot to another and he connects them in weird ways that make it sound almost like he's playing linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I kind of like the way he plays. And he plays with a lot of attack. But um, he started out, I think he was playing with Santana when he was like 12. Not as part of the group, but he got up and played with them a few times and whenever they were in certain cities or whatever, but right, yeah, yeah, I mean nowadays wow. to me, it's like there are certain things I wish I could do on the guitar, but I can pretty much do what I wanna do, and I don't get bummed out about it anymore um i i I like to practice sometimes and and try to get better, but as far as playing fast like i I feel like. You know, Ace is my favorite guitar player. Mike Campbell, Mick Rouse, you know, the guys who just, like, did really melodic stuff that sticks in your head. And Ace's solos are the best. Like, they're the ones that stick in your head the most. Yeah. And there's a cool factor with Ace. There's a cool factor, which is something that I think no, hardly any guitar players have. And it's just cool. Like, the whole solo, every note of it is has style and cool and rock. Yeah, style. like it's just like and Firehouse. Man, it's, yeah, the solo on Firehouse. I want to know how he does that one. Like you know, how he goes. Right, but there's this I other lick at out. the end. Right, well, what about this one where he goes? What? How is he doing that? You know, you know what, what's like I'm talking about. I think so, but do, you know, I didn't realize it because when I play like a funk thing, I'm uh-huh. muting with my left hand, right? I'm going every time there's a mute, like a funk sort of in the middle uh-huh. between notes. I'm muting with uh-huh. my left hand. What he's doing when he bends, that's why I didn't understand what he was doing because he's bending. He's he's stopping the note with the pick. So he's going tick, dang, right. dang, and I don't, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if that's everything though, because there's sometimes when it, when I thought I had it figured out, but maybe he, I don't have. It he does a variation. At, he does another variation towards the end of that solo. It's like the next phrase when he, when he drops down. I can't. I'm trying to figure out like because he doesn't sound like he's trapping it, but he's is really making it sound plunky. Yeah, he's he's. I don't know. It's it's when the note is bent that I'm kind of blown away by. It. I couldn't figure out how to. Do yeah, it. this is he's not bending it. He's just stepping down. Dun 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 dun. dun. But it's like dunk 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 dunk. It's really, it's really plunky. So I'm gonna and start it's looking for some sounding right. Like he live. Does some, yeah, he does some super yeah. original shit. Like his never band. heard anybody do anything like it. Yeah, his, yeah. His uh, vibrato is really. Yep. Like, it's like a bend up and down, like a full whole step up and down. Like it's really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He even does that. Wow, does wow, 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 wow. Yep. Yeah. 
and it's great, man. Yeah. He's got so much style. He's got, and, and those guys just treat him like he's fucking garbage. I know. And, 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 and you know, it's like, I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> I don't know, but his, that, uh, what's her name? Rachel Gordon? Right. The girl. Yeah. Dude. What? I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's tasteless. That's, don't, come on, man. Don't be t- t- saying that shit. <laughs> that's Some that's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I know. But you don't call somebody out on something like that. Unless, unless you just try, unless you just trying to, you know, tear them down. Sell books. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, it blew my mind, but. I was thinking, come on, man, have some, you know. Well, that stuff about Ace and his sexual, like, inabilities to get off, like, a norm, in a normal way, I only brought it up because of cold gin, because that's supposed to get, you know, be like a aphrodisiac. And then the, and I was going to bring it up with Love Gun because it shocked me, because it's also sort of a sexual thing, even though, you know, it's, it's it's just kind of weird that he he has those two songs, you know. Are you talking but, about? Uh, does he actually like getting shocked? No, I don't think he likes getting no. shocked. I just think he has songs about that are kind of sexual about you know, um, not normal sex. Like it's just like, and then you yeah. find out he's got these weird fetishes. Like, don't pull the plug. But, yeah, <laughs> this girl I, I played in a band with the girl when I was in college. Um, she was a singer and she rocked and she had met Ace at the Rainbow and he asked her did I tell you this already? No. He asked her if he could penetrate her with a bottle <laughs> at the Rainbow. He's like, can I stick this? <laughs> it's like, Fuck it, That's hey, my man. man. So he, That's my dude. <laughs> I was talking about what I didn't want to hear was about the vibrator and shit. Yeah, that's like he's he's got some weird fucking. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But that when she told me that story, it was a time when Ace was like really down and out, I think, and like really mm-hmm. like not even touring or anything, and probably drinking, and you know. Yeah. It was like he wasn't even cool at that time. I was like, whatever, you know, Ace. It's weird watching him um, kind of fall apart when you're watching live, different live concerts and stuff. From year to year, it went like his whole face changed. It was like, look normal. Like look at um, the cover picture of the first album, Hotter Than Hell, Dressed to Kill, like that. And then after that, his face was just started getting more like more puffy, more puffy, more. Yeah, just all swollen looking, and you can kind of see it progress. Right. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about Rock and Roll Over, my favorite album yeah. ever? Yeah, yeah. Ace is on um, fire on that album, dude. It's not my favorite album, but he he is he's killing it. I when I this is something I remember about that album, and I wrote this down in my notes when when I was a kid. I said to myself, I want to make albums as good as Rock and Roll Over. And um, 
and I wrote here, everything I did in my life moved toward that goal. So it's like, you know, studying guitar theory, um, doing what I could to gain access to studio equipment, record, write, arrange songs until I learned how to do it. So like that album was always in the back of my mind when it's like, I want to make the ideal rock and roll record, you know, like it was all, that was always the top one. That was always the, the best one. And I don't listen to it a lot because I don't want to get sick of it. But when I listen to it, I'm uh-huh. like, fuck, this is so good. It's so yeah. good. Dr. Love is sick, dude. That's how you feel about that. Yeah. I was saying if you, if you took Dr. Love and put it on Destroyer, you'd mm-hmm. have like, in my opinion, that that's a done deal from beginning to end. That album is perfect. Yeah. You know yeah. Uh, what inspired that song? No. It was the hotel intercom announcement in the Three Stooges film Men in Black. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. It's it's how do you know all this shit? I don't know. I I saw it somewhere. It was it was uh, it, it was um, it's a. I watched the movie because I wanted to see. I thought it was Ladies' Room that inspired. I got mixed up because I read an interview with Gene, and I was like, "Oh, I want to uh-huh. see the film and see like what the reference is." So I thought it was Ladies' Room, and I thought it was like, you know, I thought it was like Curly was going to say like, "I meet you in the Ladies' Room" or something like that, right? So I watched uh-huh, the whole uh-huh. fucking movie, and there's nothing about Ladies' Room. Then I go back and look again at the interview, and it's like calling Doctor Love. They're in a hospital, and over the intercom they say. Doctor, Doctor Mall, Doctor Mall. Like you know, it's like they keep calling them, but they call them by their last uh-huh. names. So I don't, I don't know those guys' last names, but um, uh-huh. it, it they keep they keep calling them and they keep breaking doors and like running people over with their wheelchairs and it's just like whatever they're doing, but they're just like thrashing the hospital. But that's where he, I guess uh-huh. he was in a hotel and he was watching the Three Stooges and. He had this song, but he didn't know what it was called, or didn't have the chorus hook or something, and he he just decided to call it "Calling Doctor Love." So that's where um, the "Calling Doctor Love" part came from. Well, they, he says they oh, call okay. me Doctor Love, I guess, but um, that's that's where he said he got it. From. He tied it together pretty good. Yeah, there are no bills. There are no fees. I know what your right. problem is. The first step of the first step of the cure is he tied it together pretty good. Chaos, yeah, and even used the band yeah. name. In the... <laughs> um, <laughs> the drums on that song. I have written that the drums are amazing on that song, but I don't remember what they sound like. And I wrote also the guitar. The end guitar lick is is really fast, and, and I guess it's a fade because you can't really hear it. I don't know. Uh, I shouldn't just read notes if I don't remember what I why I wrote what I wrote. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, yeah, and that first phrase of that yeah. solo, "Making Love," that that right. trips me out. That is a, that is a tricky one. I don't know how to play that. <laughs> could you learn it? I don't know. I watched if, that if guy it was play you, it. if it was you and a tape recorder. I think you could do it. I might be able to learn it or something really play it. He's doing something that I don't know that I could do. It's weird. Usually with Ace, I feel like I can do anything that he does, but that one's kind of weird. I don't know. It's like a do 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 do
it, yeah, it's trippy. Well, you know, this album was produced by um, Hendrix's producer, Eddie Kramer. And um, the guitars really have a Hendrix-y kind of vibe. Like there's like uh-huh. lots of, lots of like left, right panning going on. Like, and they sound like a car going by and, or a siren or something. And there's just like uh-huh. lots of spacious stuff, spatial stuff happening with the guitar, almost psychedelic, but it's used real sparingly. And it's like, it's really good, man. I mean, I think the production on that album is better than Destroyer in some ways because it's okay. They use the space when they have holes, like there's there's vocal parts that fill the holes, there's guitar parts that fill the holes, and it's just like done so well. Yeah, man. I I agree. With, yeah, is that Eddie Kramer the same one? Did he go on to work with Van Halen? I don't even know what else he did actually. I, yeah, I think Ted he Templeman I think was he... Van Halen, I think. Oh, okay, Templeman. But, That's, yeah, you're but right. maybe he did, though, at some point. I don't know. Huh. Um, and then that that's the only album that doesn't have a, an, a song by Ace on it, right? Yeah, because you, you were saying before that he, he saved his songs for a solo album. Yeah. The highest, but, the highest I, selling. You know, usually I don't like... Uh, Gene's songs very much, but uh-huh. his songs on that album, I like every single one of them. Lady well, which Lee, ones are his songs? Love and Leave Them. Love Them. Ladies' Room. Uh, what's the other one? Um, See You in Your Dreams. Calling Dr. Yeah. Love. They're all good. Every one of them is yeah. great. And, See you. Uh, See you in your dreams. That's when uh, the chick doesn't want to get down with him, right? So she goes home, mm-hmm. and I don't know. He he sexually assaults her in her dreams. Really? <laughs> kind of. Shit. She gets him gets in bed, covers her head. My letter to you signed. See you in your dreams tonight, because she don't oh, want to. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't spell it out, but basically it's like, I'll get you Damn. in your dreams. Is that because what that's she doesn't, about? she doesn't, yeah, you, you want to go home, dry your eyes, it's all right. Huh. Yeah, it's like, I got to read those lyrics, get, dude. He wants to get down, she doesn't, she wants to go home. Uh-huh. And so, so basically he's saying, it's okay, go home, I'll get you, like when you go to sleep. I'm in your I'm in your mind. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I, went too far. I went too far. <laughs> he doesn't sexually assault her in her in her dreams. No, but, but he might. You said you did you say he puts a pillow over her head? Yeah, she gets in bed, she pulls the covers over her head. But she can't get away from you know, Gene, you can't get away from it. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So yeah. uh the other song well, first of all, the the uh intro is great of I Want You. I, I think you said you don't like that that uh, song. But um, I got used to the Alive 2 version where he goes, uh-huh. um, oh, the one out of life, he goes, is, and then they start, yeah. you know, and it rocks out. But on this one, he goes, oh, the one out of life is, 
And then it goes, yeah. you know, and I always thought when uh-huh. I first heard it, I was like, that's kind of a letdown. I was like, oh, he doesn't, he does it like that. You know, I, it took me a long time to get used to it because I was so used uh-huh. to the Live 2 version because I heard it at your place. Cause I never had that, but you had it. Um, but, you know, Paul does the first half of that solo, which is pretty cool. And then, and then Ace does the second half. Oh, okay. And there's some 12 string on that album too, right? Yeah. That song starts with twelve string, and then it, and then it has the, the intro comes back with the twelve string after the solo, uh, and it does this badass like drum like phase drum roll into the yeah into the I want you thing again. But there's a, that there's song a, is pretty I, badass. I, it's I just a chorus that bothers me. Yeah, there's a real jazzy yeah. sort of drum beat on it, which is mm-hmm. I don't know, it's interesting. Um, I wanted to say that there's a there's a bad edit on the first pre-chorus. There's a cymbal crash. You hear a shh, and you hear it cut off. So they did an edit, but they cut off a cymbal, huh. and it's re- you can hear oh, the wow. headphones on the on the on the right side. Oh, I want to check that out. Me, it made me think about mistakes on records. Like, have you ever noticed any other mistakes on records like that? Bad edits. I think I have one or two, but I don't, they're not coming to me right now. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard more than this, but there's one that's really bizarre on this Chili Peppers album. um, uh, What is it called? Um, By the way, there's a song, Uh, I forget which song it is, but uh, it might be Dosed, but there's there's an auto tune mistake on it and it, and his voice goes wow and it's like there's no way a human voice could do that and i know what autotune sounds like because i used to use it when i was producing pop artists with a friend of mine uh-huh. and um that's what it does when you don't set it right you know like it like oh. if you have it on too heavy it sounds like a wah-wah pedal or whatever you know it sounds kind of weird but if you have it if if the person goes to a note like if you have it set on one note and then you have it set like an octave higher or something and that person goes just a little bit above the lower note it'll jump all the way up to that octave so that's what it does and and i don't know how those guys didn't fix that it's like that (laughs) made it to press with a bad auto-tune mistake in it and if you listen to it it's really bizarre I'm gonna check I just, that out. I don't know how they. I don't know how they did that. I don't know how that got through. I I, I wow. surely don't know why they would do it on purpose because it's just really like, like his voice is like, like it's, uh huh, it's weird, man. Until it was too late or something. Yeah. Or they weren't there for the, you know what I mean, the final mix or something. You know. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like Rick Rubin. Like, I don't know. It's. I just wish someone would talk about it. Like it's like the love gun thing. Like, come on, man. <laughs> That's right. what I want to hear about. <laughs> I do hear things though on albums where I'm like, if I was producing that, I would have made him do that shit over. Right. Yeah. Some sloppy ass playing, or I was like, dude. Yeah. I'd have, I'd have made him do that over. You know, yeah. it reminds me of something that this guy. You know. Michael Butler, who does the Rock and Roll Geek show. Okay. I probably have sent you some links to his shows, like interviews and stuff, but he, he did a session with um, 
I think Mike, what's that guy's name? He produced some UFO albums in Aerosmith. Mike Klink, maybe, or something like that. Anyway, this producer who produced UFO was Schenker. And he said Schenker would, would like play a shitty solo and they would say, do, can you do it again? And he'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all these Schenker solos that he refused to redo. That and it, Some of them I've heard on those studio albums, like that's not really that great. Like I could see why uh-huh. maybe they would ask him to do that one again. But, you know, there's some mistakes here and there, you know, like little glitches. And he's like, no. So that one, <laughs> so you think you. that part on rock bottom is a mistake and he um, plays it that way all the time now? Just for, for, um, which, which for, part? for gen, genuine, for, you know, genuity. I don't know. You told me there's a part in the solo when you were, you think it, you thought it was a mistake. And then when we went and seen him live, he did it. And you're like, yeah, oh. I, I don't think it was you rock bottom. You remember what bottom. I'm talking about? Yeah, it's oh. not rock bottom. It's it's another one. Um, oh. I, I, I don't I don't out on the street or one of those. Um, okay. It, or yeah, let it it's roll. Not rock bottom. Huh? Let it, it could roll. Could be let it roll. It could be let it roll. Yeah, he does like and he does like a slot. I don't know. He does something weird and he when he does it live, it's on other. You can see it um, uh, on YouTube, other performances. It sounds better than it does on Stranger This Over the Night. Like, uh, it doesn't sound as much like a mistake, but it sounds like a mistake uh, on Stranger of the Night to me, but <coughs> I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, sloppy playing here and there is, is interesting on a record. Yeah. Sometimes it gives a personality. I used to not like Jimmy Page because of that, because I thought yeah. he was sloppy. But then right. over the years, just to, it started out with his tone on mm-hmm. uh, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And one day I was it was on the radio and I was just listening to his tone. I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit! Then I started listening to everything he did closer, mm-hmm. and you know he's a genius or close to it. Yeah, you know? yeah I mean, I appreciate I was, him way more than I did. Yeah, me too. I, I rem- and John Bonham. I mean, now I hear John Bonham and I'm just like, fucking genius. You know, I never yeah. heard that as a kid. Like, you don't hear groove like that deeply as a kid. You know? Yeah. Now I hear like when the levee breaks. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's been sampled and used by countless people. Right. Yeah. And even even like um black dog the what the fuck uh time signatures are those like what is he doing like i don't even know right. what he's doing right i don't even like i don't want to figure it out i could like count it speaking of that speaking of that there's a kiss section on destroyer that's in seven did you notice that there's a what there's a there's a uh a, a, one of the songs on destroyer um I don't know which one it is. What do you mean, seven eighths? Yeah, it's like in seven four. Seven it's four. An instrumental section. Yeah, I can't remember which song it is. There's like a solo and um, Ace is soloing over, and it's seven. I was counting it. I was in the car listening today. I was like, 
fuck, it's in seven over and over, like seven, 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 and then it finally goes back to eight when it goes back to the song. It's like a long roll, and then it's back on the one. It's on the on the. You don't remember what song it was? Four four. Um, it's on Destroyer. Yeah, it's on Destroyer. Uh, but I was pretty impressed by that. I was like, wow. I mean, you know, big deal. They can uh-huh. count to seven. Now, who did that, that, Peter? I don't know. Well, it's the whole band. I mean, it's like the. Uh, it's did they know what the, they were uh, doing? Yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm sure it was Bob Ezrin, you know. Uh-huh. But um, I mean, I, I would imagine. But it's. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna open up the uh, Ibanez destroyer. Remember I, my Ibanez destroyer. Shit, I missed that guitar. Um, Ibanez destroyer. What color was it? Red. It's like that. I don't remember that. We used to have no. Not in high school. Do you remember my red destroyer? No. Wonder why I don't remember that. That's where I was like right around when you got your flying V. Yeah, I had the destroyer. You had the V. We both had a weird shape (laughs) guitar. And then I went and I brought my V back. And then give me back my Seville. Yeah. Really. My Les Paul copy. Yeah. Because the action wow. wouldn't play good. It looked um, cool. Yeah. I remember you used to sit like Randy and play it. Uh-huh. Um, What song is it? Flaming, you sweet pain. Oh, man. I don't know what it is. Is it Flaming Youth, maybe? I... Uh-oh. While you're looking there, just showing a picture of Peter where he actually painted a teardrop in his makeup oh, yeah. on, on tour. Did you know that? I think I've heard something about that. It was a protest. Yes. He was protesting against uh, Gene and Paul. That shit about him reading music is weird. I don't know if I believe it. Uh, Like he he came in and he's like, you need to write down all the parts, even on the old songs. (laughs) Because I read music now. Fucking crazy. Like, do you think he really did that? Is he that crazy? Is that in the Paul is that in the Paul excerpt that you sent me? Yeah. I didn't catch yeah, that part. I thought I was lessons with some jazz dude. He started to learn to read music. So he shows up with like he shows up with like a, a notebook and he's like, You guys have to write down your songs because I read music now. Like he like he was like like almost like he was refusing to play anything that wasn't written down all of a sudden. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's gotta be bullshit I don't know yeah I don't know okay so before we leave um, Rock and Roll Over there's something I wanted to say about uh, Paul because there's on that song Take Me which is one of my favorite songs uh-huh. he does this thing where he goes you make me feel uh uh-uh, uh 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 yeah right Yeah. Uh-huh. and then it made me think about all the other things things he does like that where he takes like a sexual sound or whatever or a groan uh-huh. or a moan and makes it a hook the other one is hundred thousand years where he goes i'm just about to oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then that's there's that other song where he goes i just want to fuck 
I just want to fuck. I just want to forget you. Oh, what's that from? Uh, I don't know. It's one of their later songs. Oh. But it's oh, okay. it's kind of a, a it's it's a really like kind of clever like dick song. Yeah. I I other, I appreciate when people can do that with without even like having a lyric there and they can make it fit good. Yeah, it's just like a clever sort of other dimension. Like I just like to uh-huh. have other dimensions. This one, these are not deep at all, but it's just like a little yeah. sort of. It's like a little clever um, uh, technique to just like add something to a hook. It's just cool. Um, put the X in sex. That's not really like that, but it's sort of like clever. Um, heaven's on fire he goes he breathe and he does the breathe and then there's the uh, all night song <laughs> you make one uh, all night it's like it's just like a thing he's done over the years uh it's a little signature thing yeah yeah <clears throat> excuse me so should we talk about love gun yeah i wanted to uh for People listening, that would I wanted you to tell the story of Plaster Caster. Oh, you're gonna tell it? No, I don't. I was wanted you to tell me again. Okay. And anybody out there listening who's who's not uh, who didn't who didn't know about this because I didn't know about it. Um. Well, I I can uh, I should get like a really good. Um, her name is Cynthia Plastercaster. But you know what? I thought of something else I should say before we leave Rock and Roll Over. I have it on my notes What's here. What's that? It's, it's, um, you know, Gene has a ladies' room song. Um, uh-huh. He, uh, well, there's actually a bunch of stuff we could talk about. I don't know how long we should do this, but um, my fr- I told you last time we talked on our show got didn't work out because the app thing. But... Um, Gene in the bathroom, like my friend, I knew a guy who worked with, with, uh, he worked at, uh, Cherokee studios in the seventies, uh-huh. an older dude I used to work with. And, um, he, he's got all kinds of stories. I wish I still knew the guy cause he has so many fucking amazing stories. Like he was there for Bowie and Tom Petty and like Mick Jagger and Ron. Wow. And, and, uh, Gene Simmons was making his solo album there, and um, he he said my friend said he went in the bathroom and Gene was sitting in there in the stall with the door open, <laughs> picking his shit. Why? And like, goes, why? And then he goes, "What are you gonna do? Call Cream Magazine and say you saw Gene Simmons taking a shit with the stall door open?" <laughs> He's so obnoxious. <laughs> anyway, that's good. That's that's. A, but also, before we leave the album, like there's the two Peter songs on that album are really good. Like Baby Driver, I was thinking mm-hmm. Baby Driver's not that good of a song, but when I listened to it, like with headphones loud, like uh-huh. really great production. I, t- yeah. I it's just a really, it's a good song, man. And Hard Luck Woman, you know the story of that song, right? Not really. Paul um, was 
listening to Maggie May by Rod Stewart, and he wanted to write something oh. in that vein, and he wanted to give it to Rod Stewart, and and oh. Stewart didn't want it, and so he somebody said to him like, hey, I think someone said to him, you should let Peter do it because he's got you know the kind of Rod Stewart kind of voice, and that's what Paul says. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if they were trying to get a, a follow up hit to Beth, and he did it just on purpose. You know, oh, that would have been a great uh, song for Rod Stewart. I know. I think Rod's the story is that Rod. Maybe Stewart it's too much like crying. Maggie Mae. That's why I made it. Yeah, I think it's great they did it. I mean, I, it, I think it was a minor hit, but it's it's weird that did it wasn't see? a bigger hit because it's really good. Yeah, it is good. Did you see live um, Ace and uh, Paul both playing on the same double neck? No. One's a twelve one's a twelve string. You know that uh what I sent you those promotions? Uh-huh. I, I think Hard Luck Woman's on there. And uh mm-hmm. Ace is standing behind Paul and they're both playing the same double neck, a twelve string and a that's six string. Cool. <clears throat> that's really cool. Yeah, my, sorry, my throat. Oh, that's cool. You, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I don't know what it sounds like that's on your cool. end. No, it sounds fine. I've never seen them do okay. that. But, I, I, you know, there's these two uh, classical guitarists. They're brothers, the Assad brothers. They they do a trick where they play the same guitar. And they play, like, really, like, crazy shit on the guitar. Well, they used to do it a long time ago. I don't think uh, they even play together anymore. But they it was just, like, shredding, like, Albino, you know, kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and they would play harmonies and stuff like that. It's crazy. Like they're both playing the same guitar. Like, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. really, really crazy. Yeah, really, really. You know, just a trick, but pretty impressive. Uh, um, I've seen. Uh, go ahead. No, you seen what? I've seen Racer X, Paul Gilbert, when he was with Racer X. Mm-hmm. He comes in. I was maybe in like tenth grade or something, and uh, he was reach over. And take a lead on the other guy's guitar, mm-hmm. and then the other guy would be picking on his guitar. Mm-hmm. Or, or he re- he reached over and fingered the lead while the other guy was picking it, and then the other guy was fingering mm-hmm. the lead on Paul Gilbert's guitar while he was picking it. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I saw them do that too. I don't think they. I think they were after we were in high school. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was yeah, that's a when I first heard of Racer X was like after it was around nine. I think it was nineteen eighty six. I think it was summer of eighty six when I first. Oh, okay. So well, you could have been in high school, I guess. Yeah, he put the uh, he put he, he drilled a hole in his pick. Yeah, that was badass. It's like <laughs> yeah, I saw one. I I went to the country club because I was going to college close by there in, in Cal State Northridge. I went to the country club and saw them two nights in a row because I was so blown away by his uh-huh. guitar playing. I mean, I, I didn't really think the, I didn't really like the songs that they had that much, but I was, I don't know, yeah. I was really blown away by his playing. I think I went two nights yeah. in a row. I was fucking deaf. I couldn't hear shit after that for a long time. <laughs> Um, okay, so Love Gun, 
Yeah. Used to also by Eddie Kramer at Electric Ladyland. So the Rock and Roll Over was recorded at Electric Ladyland too, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I like uh, Christine Sixteen on there, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, Shock Me, Faster Caster. I like that too. I like I like Gene's songs that are kind of like that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. The the story about that is like Paul was giving Gene a hard time saying all his songs were Christine 16 songs. And Gene was like, that's a great title. So he went and wrote the song <laughs> that night. It sounds like they were kind of trying to play it down. Yeah, maybe. And and then, and then the other story, the opposite of that is that um, Paul, well, I guess the same thing. Paul's giving Gene shit about monster songs and, and right home that night and wrote God of Thunder and he was going to sing it. And, um, uh, Ezrin was like, no, that's a Gene song. And he was like, uh-huh. why? He goes, because you're not the God of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> this is all stuff that Kiss fans probably know, because like, I just read a bunch of interviews and stuff, so uh-huh. I don't know if anybody would really be interested in all these Kiss facts, but... <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Um, I didn't yeah. like... So- then she kissed me, and tomorrow and tonight, I, I think sounds like something Meatloaf would do. Yeah. I like tomorrow and tonight. I think I like it better than rock and roll all night. I think t- tomorrow and tonight is an attempt to rewrite rock and roll all night, and I think I like it better than rock and roll all night. But that's, really? you know. Yeah, I think so. I think I do. I don't huh. really like rock and roll all night that much. Although it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty iconic. I don't know. Well, when it, when the music stops and those drums keep going? Yeah. That's a pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on Love Gun, I, my favorite song is I Stole Your Love. Um, I think it's probably uh-huh. the greatest performance. It's a great riff. Perfect solo. That's what I wrote. <laughs> so I'm reading uh-huh. like a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> I never learned it because I didn't want to ruin the magic of the solo. But um, what I wrote down was like, and I think this about a lot of Ace songs where it's fast enough that you can't quite put your finger on what he's doing. And I like that. Like, right. I can't really figure it out. It's like uh-huh. a puzzle. And I don't really want to know. So it, it just makes it cool because it's like right yeah. out of reach. That's how I feel about Schenker. Like, that, remember I sent you that video? And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, I couldn't figure out what he was doing. He was doing some weird shit with his fingers, where sometimes he would use three and two, and but on the same. And he was kind of like slapping. His his finger was just kind of like slapping off the string, like slapping and slapping. It was weird. Yeah, it's like a puzzle. I don't, and I kind of don't really want to. Did you figure that one out? Well, Uh, I I learned a trick from that, which is like to use two and three on the same note to go even faster, but to hammer on it um, up and down. Like if you go, nah, 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 uh-huh. nah, you could do two, two, three, two, three, you could do it much faster. And then like, and then it opened up a whole door of like, shit, I could do that all over the neck. Like, I could, Oh, and, and I started a, to practice um, that way, but I didn't really practice that much, but it, piano it does really that cool sometimes. Who? When they drill a note, they, the figures go three two one three two thumb three two thumb three two thumb. Who That's does a that? trip on the piano. 
classical. Oh, the there's piano. like there's pieces where like a, the D note mm-hmm. will just be going nee, 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 while the bottom hand is doing something else, and oh, it never yeah. sounded right when I did it with just my middle finger. But when uh-huh. you alternate your fingers on the same key, right, it make it spaces them out differently. Or it sounds yeah. it even has a different sound. I always thought that um, on, you know, like trills, you could do that on trills yeah, trill. and, and do them like much faster. Um, uh-huh. I always thought that Tony Iommi did it, like on Heaven and Hell, like on that album, because some of his trills uh-huh. are really fast. But I don't know if he's doing that or not. But I never really thought of doing that in the middle of licks and stuff. But that's what that video gave me the idea to try. But uh-huh. I never, I ne- I didn't really develop it because I'd have to really practice a lot to to turn, bring that into my playing, you know, but, um, you think that might show up on your next? (laughs) I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. But by the way, when is your, when is your fourth, when's your fourth album coming out? Is that going to be your fourth, right? Well, I would say third for full length. Yeah. Um, when I don't know. I just finished all my vocals. Well, I can't wait. Well, thanks. I'm honored that yeah. somebody is interested in hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working dude, on it for like three years, four years. Dude, I'm know, a huge fan, years. dude. I listen to your <laughs> stuff on the way to work, on the way home. Wow. They're awesome, dude. They're really good. Well, thank you. I, I, um, I'm I'm really you know I took my time on this one like I, I the arrangements is, I is this one a, have a theme too? Yeah, without it's kind giving of like, anything away, it's kind of like control you know how our culture is controlled. Yeah, which okay. ties in music. So it's like how music is controlled and how uh, oh cool how music has been controlled. Um, uh uh-huh. Like I'll give you an example. When I went to college. Um, all the composers had to had to compose avant-garde music, atonal avant-garde music, in like the 80s. All of them, like they were forced to. You couldn't write a pretty uh-huh. piece. Like, and there are rules in avant-garde music. Like, in atonal music, it's the opposite of tonality. It means that you can't resolve a note. You can't play a third. You can't play a sixth. You have to play seconds, or to, like a C know, and D note together. You can do fifths, you can do fourths, you can do dissonant tones, uh, intervals, and you can do um, neutral intervals, or like fifths and fourths. But you can't do uh-huh. thirds because they're too pretty, right? So, right. Um, and you can't repeat anything more than once. You can't have a rhythm that repeats. The rhythm needs to change constantly. And, um, and it's called atonal because you can't resolve anything. It's the opposite of what your body wants right. to do. Everything that makes you feel good about music, you do the opposite. So all That's of us are release. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's none of that. And so all of us are like studying music and, you know, guitar, studying guitar, you don't have to play uh, all... You know, when you're a performance major like I was, you don't have to play avant-garde music. But I... I had myself convinced that avant-garde music was cool. I liked it because it pissed people off. Like, this isn't fucking music. What the fuck? And, you, you know, you, you sit, I played a duet by one of the professors. 
and with another guitarist. It was really hard because it's just like, but it was all like, you know, it's like shit like that. And, and, and it's really impressive to see two guitar players doing that, like in, not in unison, but like in sort of harmony, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, and, and it was fun and it was challenging and the rhythms are all hard. It's like 16 over four, you know, it's like all these like, you know, seven over five and <laughs> like weird rhythms and stuff. And I used to love to try to figure out the rhythms and it was like really fun, but I don't know how you're supposed to appreciate that music, you know? And, and that was, you know, and, and they, that was what you had to do though. The, the, all the composers and we had to study uh-huh. the theory of it. Like in part of our theory courses were after we learned like Bach and all that stuff in the classical period, then we had to study modern music and it ended up, you know, serial music is like what they call it. Cause it's like, you know, it's 12 tone, you know, 12 tone music. You have to use every tone before you can repeat. Like you do a 12 tone row, which is like based on the 12 tones. And then you, you repeat that in a different way with different octaves and, there's all these rules, things you can do with the 12 tones. You can modulate it and stuff, but it's like, uh, you know, you want to use all 12 tones before you go to the next, before you repeat it. And there are all these rules, you know, turns out wow. I learned like 40 years later that this was all driven by the CIA, that they basically, um, uh, they basically funded the avant-garde since like the fifties. So, you know, you would think a movement what? in art that was the opposite of art would last like two years or three years or five years. Uh-huh. But there was like fucking 30, 40. They're still doing that shit in the universities. They're, they're still, the composers are still learning to write music that no one will like. If you go watch an orchestra, they have to play Metallica and Kiss and stuff because they're not, there are no new composers composing for symphonies because if somebody wrote a modern symphony, no one would go because it would sound like, you know, and, and it's like really? they've been doing it for, yeah, they destroyed classical music. That's why classical music is not a thing anymore because they fucking destroyed it on purpose because... Well, what's the point I, of that? Well, I think the point of it is because there was so much stuff going on and, and symphonies historically were really, really powerful. And, you know, composers wrote like very rebellious symphonies that were grand and the, they would take, they would move, the whole world would be playing them, you know, like Shostakovich was uh-huh. an example. He's my favorite composer. He wrote symphonies that were like war symphonies and like, you know, protesting. Uh, well, he was protesting what was going on in his country. But um, there's just, you know, politically, music and art can be really powerful. So they right. were able to control rock and roll in a different way, but they controlled the classical music by doing this, by creating this fake culture of avant-garde. The dance is like all like robotic and stupid. And like the singing, if you listen to classical uh, modern or then modern and maybe now modern classical singing, it's like shrieking. It's like, it's like purposely terrible. It's purposely the opposite of what your body wants to hear. And it was well, how stupid are we that we fell for that? That's what my song's about, <laughs> including me, because I was like into it, you know. 
I was into it too. They got you. But I never really secretly, I didn't know how I was supposed to appreciate it. And no one ever taught me, how do you appreciate something that does the opposite of what your body wants? You know, it's like sadomasochism or something. But okay, so you're into it for like a little bit, but you're going to ruin, like you're basically ruining careers of people. Like you're just teaching them something that no one will ever want to fucking listen to. You know, uh-huh. people go to school to study music and they, and they, they're forced to write this style that, that just sounds like shit to everyone. Like nobody in the culture likes it. It's only like, the only thing you can do is get a job teaching in another, co- another college. And so it just perpetuates it because you don't know how to write real music. Cause all you, you don't even know if you have any talent. Most of these guys don't even have any fucking talent. You know, that's the other thing I learned studying this stuff is like a lot of the people who are who who are you know promoted um in that world don't have any fucking talent because they hide behind the fact that it's not really fucking it's just like mathematics and they pretend to know like this is art and this isn't this one sounds like shit and this one sounds like shit but this one's art and this one's not like bullshit it's just because right. you, you know somebody and you got a fucking job that's all it is you know wow it's you're a self promoter or something like, I, I don't know. So it, it pisses me off because, um, the classical part, because like, you know, who knows what could have happened with classical music. It, it, maybe we wouldn't call it that, but you know, symphonic right. music and classical, you know, piano or whatever. Like, I mean, it just, they just killed it, you know? Uh-huh. So, that's one song on the album, but there's other stuff about rock and roll and stuff. Because it was culture was controlled in, in so many different ways. Everything we think is real is like not. And uh, so there's a lot of songs about stuff like that. <laughs> well, okay, but it's not really I a no story idea. like the JFK one. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't either, dude. I just stumbled upon this stuff. Like I, I just like discovered some books and it led to other books and just like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a documentary about the art and I can send it to you. And it's the same thing with art, you know, and you know, like, yeah, it seems artists like who just like splattered on paintings and stuff like, no let's one make it look shit. as stupid as we can. Fashion is yeah. like that too. Let's make it look yeah. as stupid as we can. And they're fucking, and they're modeling it. Right. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, that's supposed to be yeah. cool. And it's like they purposely made it as look as stupid as it could. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you asked me about Plaster Caster. Right. Which is on Love Gun. So Cynthia Plaster Caster uh, was an American visual artist and self-described recovering groupie who gained fame for creating plaster casts of famous persons' erect penises. Uh, she started in 1968 by doing it for rock musicians, expanded later to filmmakers and other types of artists. In 2000, she added casting female artists' breasts. This is fucking stupid. More stupid art. It's not really art, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> right. It's bullshit. But Gene, she must have done Gene, and then he did a fucking song about it. I don't know. Oh, okay. She did Jimi Hendrix. Gotcha. Um, Got it. I don't know if she did Jean, actually. Did, did she? Um, she's inspired at least two songs, Five Short Minutes by Jim Croce and Plaster Caster by Kiss. 
She's also mentioned in a mama song, the penis song. Whatever. Huh. Uh, yeah, so that's that song. Um, what else is on Love Gun? Chalk Me, which is like the first time Ace ever sang. Right, yeah. Which I never knew because I used to think he sang like Cold Gin and shit because I thought the guy who wrote it sang it when I was a little kid. Right, because you, you see the name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So funny. Yeah, that's a trip. I mean, I didn't realize that till I was old. <laughs> like, I thought he sang <laughs> Cold Gin for like 30 years or something. I mean, that was a long time. That's a trip, yeah. And, uh, oh, the, okay, let's talk about Shock the solo on Alive 2. So, that solo, it's like do exact. you think, but, but, the, but the ending, doesn't he do like a long solo at the end? Yeah, it turns into his live solo, right? Right. So, I, I'm, I don't even know if I'd call this a theory, but I'm curious if you think that he was doing Eddie Van Halen hammering shit because before Van Halen even put their album out because he heard them because of Gene's association with... On the down... Oh, wow. Maybe, Do you think... Is he doing Eddie Van Halen type stuff or is he doing the open string Angus Young kind of of hammering? I can't... No, it's open. It's it's the open string. It is? Yeah. Okay. I, I watched him do it live. Oh, okay. On, on a bunch of videos, yeah. So he's not doing the Eddie thing? No. Okay. No. No, he never puts his, he never puts his uh, right hand finger on the board. Okay, okay. That's yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Well, I guess that... Uh... I'm wrong about that theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he could have he could have heard it and tried to mimic it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's came off yeah. up with that Angus thing, right? Um, what else? Eddie, Eddie Kramer is on uh, on this one too, and I think he does a lot of the Ace cool ace sort of Hendrixy guitar psychedelic guitar here and there one of them is on almost human uh-huh. and, uh i have her written it is almost human a, a god of thunder ripoff like it kind of sort of is it's like a yeah kind of thing um but he he says this thing in, in that song i'll be a scream away uh-huh. ace does a lick and when I was a little kid, I always thought he said, Ace, scream away. And then Ace goes, <laughs> Oh, wow. I always hear, even when I hear it now, I hear him say, Ace, scream, Ace, scream away. Uh-huh. So I know he's saying, I'll be a scream away. But I always thought oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole episode probably on like lyrics that we thought people were saying when we were kids. Yeah. I got a I got a lyric here by Paul that really stands out. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. No more tomorrow. No more tomorrow, baby. No more today. Girl, I can make you feel. Wait okay. for it. Okay. 
I love that song, though, man. <sighs> you spent all night on that one, Paul. <laughs> What's the second verse? Um, is it nowhere to run something? Uh, I just remember the last line, but it won't be fun if I say it without, uh, without the rhyme. Um, I'll be a ba- I'll be a gambler, baby. Lay down yeah, the bet. Yeah, I'll be a gambler, baby. Lay down the bet. Yeah. We get together, Mama. Wait for uh-huh. it. Yeah. You'll you'll sweat. <laughs> Right. Genius. Fucking genius. Yeah. No place for hiding, baby. No place to run. You pulled the trigger of my love. I got, there's an ace line that I love. Down to the, I'm down to the bare wire. Yeah. That's badass. That's badass. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm being serious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think I told the story when he played that live, man. He was like, I saw a picture of Tommy Thayer. He had a lightning bolt running down his leg. Why don't you do something original and shock me? And then he fucking went, that was like, I was like, fuck, that's badass. <laughs> when he that talked shit about those guys on stage, it's so funny. I saw you a video uh-huh. recently where he was talking shit. What was he saying? Oh, uh, yeah. I've been watching so many videos of them lately. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, you know, I just have to say, like, um, I re- well, one thing I remember is coming home from school one day, and you're like, look what I got. And it was fucking Kiss Alive 2. And I, I had never seen the cover, never saw any promos or anything, and I was like, what the fuck like jeans like spitting blood like that i was like yeah that is fucking amazing like i was like so shocked and like i thought it was so badass yeah and the only yeah, time you can i ever the cover yeah the only time i felt that way about an album cover again was shout out the devil when that came out i was like whoa and i opened the gatefold and they're all fucking wearing makeup and shit like where all that shit uh, I was like, that's fucking badass. Yeah, it was the only other time. And that's why I liked them so much at the time because they reminded me of Kiss. Because there was no more Kiss. There was no more... Right, you know, right. It was, it was all gone, you know? They brought that stuff back, kind of. And Yeah. I don't even know of another band that has done... Well, you, there's. have you seen a band called Black Veil Brides? Oh, uh, my wife turned me on to them. Yeah, I haven't seen them, but I've heard them. Do they look like that? They don't sound like they look. They look, they sound very metal, and they're really great musicians. Like the, you've heard it. So the drummer, yeah, yeah, amazing. The guitar yeah. players doing shit I could never do ever. Yeah, but they look like Motley Crue. They look, you know, like just like beautiful, you know, glam dudes like Motley Crue style. Like oh, uh, I've got to look at them. I never seen them. They have the they have that look. I mean, they brought they they successfully pulled that off. Like, oh. I don't know what other band has other than Kiss and Molly Crew. Maybe Hanoi Rocks, kind of maybe. But and I I still I used to love that band. But um, 
that's all that I got on that. And then the yeah, other, what a, maybe for another night, um, I got like a lot of questions for you. <laughs> I should we'd probably do on another night. My throat's getting kind of raw here, John. Okay, that's cool, man. So um, the only other thing that we didn't talk about was the the, the solo songs on, um, I mean, the the uh, studio songs on Alive 2, which... Um, I love those songs. didn't play on any of them except for, for Rock. I know, I love them, though. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. All American Man is fucking great. Yeah, Larger Than Life. Yeah. I, I like the whole feel of that song. Even rocking in the USA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Germany is really neat. Just wasn't much to eat. I've been to London too. There wasn't much to do. Right. Wow. One thing yeah, I'd I rather like do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my uh that's my tomorrow and tonight on that album. Is it? Mm-hmm. Rocking in the USA? Yeah, I don't think I really like it too much. Yeah. I didn't think about it, but now that you're mentioning it, I don't know. Yeah. But Larger Than Life and um, uh, All American Man. All American Man is fucking awesome. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like an idiot because, like, I, you know, I study classical music. I have two degrees in classical music, but I fucking still love Kiss. Like, I still... You know, and I think it's because their 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 writing was great. You know, yeah. Produce the production and the writing is great. It's just you know. Yeah, I agree. The seventies were the best time for for production, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I don't want to keep you. Thanks for doing it, and and I'll post it soon. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course, and we'll figure out what we want to talk about next. All right. Well, I want to get into some of your stuff, <laughs> okay. like where you came, how you came up with the, that riff for Caterpillar. We'll talk about that <laughs> on another night. Okay, dude, that's that's a heavy ass riff, dude. Really? I don't even remember what the riff it's like really heavy uh, before it breaks into that before it breaks into that soft part. Uh, you wrote you wrote it. Yeah, but I I hate it, so I don't listen to that one ever. You don't listen to the shooter? No, I I was pretty humiliated by it. Oh, bro, there's reasons. some good stuff on there. Different reasons. Well, thanks. I mean, I I uh Dude, red flag is, is really red flag is American University is great too, but red flag is like that one's got a special place. I don't know if it's because I listened to it so much or it was your your first full album that I got a hold of, but yeah, I think it's because I used a p ninety on the uh on the uh American University everybody hates it, not everybody but I, uh, well, let's, let's get into that. I'm using time. humbuckers from now on. Humbuckers forever. <laughs> okay, how about we do one where we get into your stuff? Okay, and then we got to get into your stuff. 
I want to hear the song that you stole from me and played at the Troubadour and got played on KLOS. Oh, I got I might have that somewhere on a cassette. Stole from me. Our co-write, our co-written song that I didn't I even did. know. <laughs> yeah, that's so badass. That's hilarious. Yeah, there's a couple but parts. I still have I the cassette. Somewhere. I still have the cassette of us jamming on that. Oh, you do? In high school, yeah. So that's how oh, the only yeah, reason you... I knew it is because you... the only reason I knew the riff you were talking about is because I have that cassette and I've listened to it oh. over the years here and there. Like, by the way, your a... by the way, your song your song's now called "Over Your Head." Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't think it had a name. It's got it's got words. It's got some good words to it, bro. And it came out kind of sounding like it had like Van Halen backing vocals on it. Really? Wow. Yeah. You wrote a badass song. <laughs> and I got played on KLOS. It did. What the fuck? I can't get my shit played on KLOS. I'm standing for them. They, fucking, they ignore me. Were you trying to get on Should I Stay or Should I Go? No, no. I was trying to get on Local Licks, I think. Oh, Local Licks? Yeah. yeah. Or, you know what? Maybe I was sending it to Steve Jones. I don't remember. All right. Well, I hope you have a good, good uh, whatever, a few days until I talk to you again. Okay, bro. Let's do it, too. <laughs> All right, take care. All right, John. Bye. Bye. Stop your eye, get pocketed. Fair hair, it's what you hear.